If you are a dairy producer who has been thinking about taking your milk all the way to the dairy case yourself, this episode is for you. Vertical integration is on the minds of many forward-thinking dairy farmers, and that's why today you are going to hear from a dairyman who is doing it on the Up Level Dairy Podcast. This is the podcast for dairy farm owners, managers, and advisors who are committed to profitability, sustainability, and excellence. My name is Peggy Coffin, and it's my mission to bring you the conversations that will up-level your skill set and your mindset so you can be a top performer in the dairy business. I recently sat down with TJ Tulls, a fourth-generation dairyman and founder of Dairy, the company that has created the milk beverage move, to talk about how becoming a dad is what inspired him to want to transform the milk drinking experience for his son and his wife, and it gave him the vision for creating lifelong consumers of milk by bringing to the marketplace a high-protein, extended-shelf-life, lactose-free, no-sugar-added, and might I also say deliciously flavored milk beverage to a dairy case near you. You're going to hear about the challenges of finding a processor and why TJ is building his own plant. You're going to learn about product formulation, getting shelf space in the dairy case, and learn how Move tells the story of milk through the eyes of the cow. This episode is sponsored by Heritage Vet Partners, the nation's leading veterinary partnership that is revolutionizing the way veterinarians serve the most progressive and forward-thinking dairy farm clients across the country. Through a new model of providing exceptional service, consultation, products, and supplies. Stick around to the end of this episode to hear straight from Dr. David Nadd, CEO of Heritage Vet Partners. And so what drove TJ to take the milk from his cows and create a new brand? Well, it all started when this dairyman became a dad. I've always known that we've produced milk to feed people and known that what we're, we're doing here is a really intimate process. This milk from these cows goes into a bottle, it goes into cheese, it goes into ice cream. People are consuming what we make. Having a, a child, my son Zane, he changed it a little bit for me because I watched my wife struggle to carry it in her diaper bag and the purse in the car and seen some of her frustration not growing up on a dairy. She wasn't quite as like, hey, we're going to drink milk as, as I was growing up. And so I seen her kind of turn into other things. And I'm like, if a dairy farmer's wife, who maybe, you know, even though she didn't grow up on a farm, she's still been around it for like six years prior to, to having Zane, is willing to change that easily. Why wouldn't a normal consumer, right? And so my thinking on it was we have to make this easier for moms and better for kids uh, in general. A lot of the flavored milks that are out there have a ton of sugar in them. And for a four, five, six-year-old kid, um, it's just excessive. And so for moms that are looking for healthy options, we know that milk is a healthy option. It's the best beverage that a, a kid can drink. Um, but when you add all these flavors and sugar to it, kind of changes that, that perspective. And so I still want kids to grab milk and reach for milk. And so I woke up one morning and like, why can't we flavor milk the same way they flavor water? Uh, not adding sugar, not adding artificial color or artificial flavorings uh, or other ingredients that really aren't good for you. And so we set out to do that. And that's how we came up with Move. EJ saw Move as a way to solve a problem for moms and founded the parent company Dairy with the mission of creating lifelong consumers of milk by solving another problem, the child's milk drinking memory. Our mission with this company, Dairy, is uh, it's a little bit of a play on words. We trademark the 
saying, real milk, real cows. We're wanting to create lifelong consumers of milk and dairy. And when you think back to your experience as a kid, what your experience with milk was, it was probably one of two things. It was either mom forcing you to finish your milk at the dinner table or you grabbing a carton out of the cooler at school. That carton may or may not have been cold. It may or may not have leaked. Probably had some crust from one that leaked on the top. And, you know, if you're lucky, it wasn't sour, right? And so when kids experience that at school and that's their only experience with milk, it's really not that cool, right? And so we we created a a bottle, a label um, that hopefully gets kids kind of engaged. TJ had a clear vision for the milk experience he wanted for his son as a young milk drinker, and also for his wife as a mom looking to make choices she could feel good about for her child, but also with the convenience of extended shelf life. The first steps to making it reality required finding the right people to research and formulate. I think the first step to probably any new venture is realizing what you're capable of and what you're not. I am not a food scientist, and I'm not a formulator, and so i did a lot of research to find somebody that was uh, good at that and had the experience doing it with milk and milk fat. And so we found our formulator and then uh, started doing a lot of trial runs uh, with the product. The product that we have is ultra-filtered. And so getting ultra-filtered milk to the formulator so that she has the right thing to work with and then, you know, ultra-high temperature UHT pasteurization creates a little bit of a different flavor. And so you have to work around some of that stuff and then identifying which ingredients we were going to use and weren't going to use. I didn't want anything that wasn't natural in our product. Uh, I wanted to keep a really clean label, just it short and sweet. Mom can look at it and go, yep, those are real, real ingredients, real milk, and feel good about that. And so we sourced a couple proprietary ingredients uh, that you won't really see on the shelf. Uh, a couple of them are out of the Netherlands, uh, milk powders and things. So we did a lot of R&D on that. TJ learned that the research and development phase took time and a lot of tasting. And it took about a year, year and a half to get uh, to where we felt the product was marketable and launchable uh, to the general public. Some of that R&D, you sit behind a glass wall, mirrored glass wall, and you're watching kids and their parents try your product. And sometimes the kids are like, oh, yeah, that's really good. Their eyes get big and you can tell they like it. And then some of them are just like making funny faces and going, that one's not good. They don't know you're there, but it's uh, it was an interesting process. And we did that about three times with 40 different, 40 kids each time. We have uh, vanilla, strawberry, and cinnamon swirl. So our vanilla tastes kind of like vanilla ice cream. The strawberry is a really fresh. And then cinnamon swirl tastes kind of like cinnamon toast crunch. So also have horchata labeled on it. Um, I don't know if you've had the ethnic background. It comes from from Mexico, horchata, and so it's a cinnamon flavored like rice milk. But kind of went after that, and then, so we're trying to hit that market as well. And like I said, we we we're still working on our chocolate. We'll hopefully be launching that later this fall. So wanting to use all natural ingredients, um, you're having to use cocoa powder, and then. We really didn't want to use sugar with um, or add sugar with our other products. So we're, we're using uh, monk fruit and some stevia to help sweeten it um, without adding that sugar. And I just couldn't get the bitterness out of the cocoa. 
without sugar. And so we're going to end up adding just a little bit of sugar to this product to, to take that bitterness off. You know, when you drink a chocolate milk from anybody else, it's thick, it's creamy. It's a lot of them use high fructose corn syrup with it. Um, and so to get the right mouthfeel that, you know, tasted good also, uh, we, we just couldn't get there uh, without it. We tried a ton of different variations of it. And so we ended up going, you know what, let's just try and add a little bit of sugar to it and see how it goes. And, and we finally got it. So yeah. I'm excited about that because <laughs> chocolate milk is a huge market. And it also is something that most people will go like, oh yeah, I'll try it. Right. And so we're, we're excited about that. With three shelf ready flavors and one more in the works, the next step was finding a processor to take their milk and the flavor formulations and bring them to life. And again, this proved to be another challenge in the journey of getting Move to market. Finding somebody that would co-pack for us was definitely a challenge. I had originally planned on putting in an aseptic package, a Tetra pack or a SIG uh, package, and that didn't work out or on the you know, five yard line to having a contract inked with two different companies. Uh, one of them decided that they weren't going to process dairy products anymore. And then the other uh, just wasn't as efficient as they thought they were and didn't have the space that they thought they had. So then we had to go to plan B and thankfully my dad has family that's in the dairy processing industry out in California. And so right now we're shipping milk from Nebraska to Kansas having it ultra filtered and then shipping it from there to Southern California and having it bottled. And then a lot of it's coming back to the Midwest to be sold and stored at it. So uh, we're currently in an ESL package. Still has to be refrigerated, but will last on a shelf for up to 90 days. Uh, and we are working on the aseptic line now. So after the experience I had with other co-packers, I didn't really intend to build a plant as quick as we're going to. Um, but we're in the design and engineering phase right now to put our first plant up in Nebraska. You know, we, we vetted uh, two different states, two states that we've got facilities in, and one state wanted it significantly more than the other. And so we uh, decided to put it in Nebraska. It's going to be located right on a major interstate. So we're going to be able to run product east, west, north, south. Heartland of the country doesn't have any acepting, aseptic processing capacity in it uh, at the moment. And so uh, it's going to open it up to some other companies that are looking for a co-packer. And so after our experience with co-packers and being told one thing and then getting really, really close to launching a product that way and having to change course, I just decided that, you know, I know that my handshake's good and that our, our Midwest commitment is good come from a farm background you do what you say you're going to do and if these guys can keep their plants full and treat customers the way they're treating us i'm like i think we can fill a plant and so that's what we're working on having full capability to process their own milk with extended shelf life and in an aseptic package that does not require refrigeration is not only for consumer convenience there's a bigger picture to what this means for the milk tj and his family produce on their farms we've noticed that during covid we're dumping a ton of milk my family alone dumped over two million gallons uh, during that time and it's pretty hard to you know watch everything you're working for go right back into your lagoon and convince your employees to do a good job when they see the tanker leaving the parlor and backing up to the pond 
And so I really don't want ever want to have to do that again. I don't want anybody to experience what we experienced during that time again. But this would have allowed us to continue to package milk, not require refrigeration, be able to distribute to places like food banks and people in need that really needed it and maybe didn't have the space in a refrigerator. And also, um, from another angle, you're able to export this milk or cream because it doesn't require refrigeration. It can be packaged container overseas. So it opens up a lot of opportunities. Uh, a lot of it's going on in like Australia, New Zealand, places like that. We're just a little bit behind on it in America. While most of the milk from their dairies is marketed through cooperatives, Move has provided the opportunity for TJ to explore vertical integration. We're definitely thankful for the companies that we ship milk to now. And it's, it's not that they haven't done a good job. It's just like time for us to, to take part in some of that and, and, and vertically integrate. We're doing it in lots of different areas in our business outside of just, you know, launching a product. I mean, we're hauling all of our own cattle on a bunch of our own feed now through our trucking company. Uh, like I said, we're adding some farmland into it. But I think that vertical integration and maximizing, you know, all of your resources and opportunities are going to be key to being, you know, here 20, 30, 50 years from now. We went to a couple different groups with this product, hoping to, to co-launch or, or help us launch this thing, take it, you know, to another level quicker uh, through production, distribution, things like that. And it was we were unsuccessful in changing their mind on what milk could be. And so we decided to go about it on our own. And I, during that time, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to continue to manage our dairies to the level that I wanted to manage them at and spend enough time with my cows and my people. And so found a, a gentleman that I'd actually known for quite a while uh, to come on board who believed in what we we're doing and help really lead the charge on this. He actually came on fairly early in the process while we were doing our formulation. And he has been instrumental in taking this thing to the next level. He had a lot of sales and marketing experience in the animal health industry. Um, so he understands the story of dairy, cows, beef cows, and the whole process and really believes in agriculture. And so he's critical uh, to the success of our company and, and has done a really, really good job. We just decided to to take it on on our own and and invest and and kind of create our own destiny. My dad would tell you we were flying a plane without engines, uh, and those engines being our sales and marketing. And so uh, we decided to put some engines on the plane and and go from being a glider to, a, to an airplane. And so it's it's been a challenge. It's been a learning curve. Been a, a really good education. We're definitely paying tuition. But just like when I dropped out of college to come run a dairy, uh, my dad told me there's going to be some mistakes. There's going to be some stuff. I would have been paying tuition anyway, so I might as well pay it on the dairy. And we're learning. You know, we, we learn from our mistakes. We learn from our, our wins. And I think we've made the right connections and started to really build a, a great team. When it came to creating Move as a brand, TJ and the team wanted to create a narrative that would connect the consumer in a unique way. We want that story told from the eye of the cow. So if you go to our website, uh, you can read a little bit about that story. We've got a few different names on there, but the way we've got it on the website, Nellie, she was one of our, our favorite oldest cows here on, on my dairy. And, and so we tied her into the picture and uh, just really, I think, are able to educate the consumer that way. I mean, when you look at 
some of the movies that are out, kids are really familiar with talking animals, animals that are, you know, alive and just able to almost think like people. And so we, we kind of tied it back that way to help kids and adults alike understand, you know, how amazing these animals that we deal with every day are. You know, there's nothing like a cow, right? She not only produces milk, she has a calf. She's able to eat feed and byproducts that, you know, would otherwise go into the landfill. She makes milk and then fertilizer. So you're fertilizing the fields around around these dairies and providing organic fertilizer for farms that would have otherwise used uh, commercial or petroleum-based fertilizers. And then, you know, at the end of her life, she's, she's beef and, and just continues to feed people. And so that whole cycle of the cows is just incredible. And they're there's a reason they're my favorite animal. The fun, colorful packaging also is an invitation for the consumer to engage in the story of Move. It's got a QR code on it. You can scan it. And uh, Morgan, our dancing cow, shows up. And you can record that. Uh, it's virtual reality, so you can record you or friends with it and, and post it on social media. Um, it takes you to our website. You can learn more about cows, the dairy cows. We've got coloring sheets on there. We've got whole bunch of different stuff. You can decorate a cow, put sunglasses on her, like all kinds of, of fun stuff. Move moved rather quickly from an idea to a formula to a product in a package. But TJ explains that the even greater challenge lied ahead as he faced the next steps in taking his own milk to the consumer marketplace. And I would say that probably harder than that was finding a retailer that was willing to take a new dairy product in. Retailers have been hearing from really dairy processors that fluid milk is dying and they don't have the refrigeration capacity. They've given a lot of it. We've lost a ton of refrigeration shelf space to uh, plant-based alternatives. And so to convince a retailer to put milk back on the shelf is uh, definitely a challenge. Uh, thankfully, we found retailer Hy-Vee here in the Midwest that is really pro-local products. Um, they're their milk buyers pro ag. He's he's just fantastic to work with. Uh, so he took a, a leap of faith and, and brought us on board. And so we were able to to get it on high V's shelves back in April. And we're slowly gaining some market share. Definitely an uphill battle learning about pricing and advertising and you know, how coupons work, you know, you wouldn't think it would be that hard to just print coupons and, and have that, but you have to have somebody design it, get a barcode design, then you have to find a clearinghouse, then you have to get them in either a, a print, you know, newspaper ad or online. And then when somebody actually uses it, then you're, you know, making that connection and you're actually paying for that difference. And so it's, it's been a learning curve from every angle, but like I said, thankfully, I have a really, really good team that has taken a lot of that off of my plate and taken care of it and learned along, you know, alongside of us and still allowed me to be day-to-day on my dairies, too. Move is gaining ground and going toe-to-toe with every beverage in the case. And that is a process that takes time, patience, and courage. You know, it's, it's a little bit scary. I mean, you're going up against... Uh, from my perspective, we're going head to head with Coca-Cola. Um, you know, they, they took on Fairlife and, and that's who you're, you're up against. And they have huge budgets, huge staff, 
amazing distribution. But I, I think even or, or or the small guy in in that arena, and so it's I don't know, it's an opportunity. David and Goliath, right? Like yeah. you just and, and I wouldn't. David and Goliath maybe isn't even the right comparison because we're not trying to knock them out. We're just trying to sell more milk. One of the places we're really pushing to get Hy-Vee to put it is in their health section um, because we are going for the mom that's wanting to make sure that her kids fed something healthy yeah. and is maybe a little more concerned and willing to pay a premium for that. Sure. We're definitely a premium product. Um, there's more input going into our product than just pasteurizing milk, putting it in a bottle and putting it on the shelf. And so, but you'll definitely find it in the dairy case. Uh, and then we're hoping to get it into some more like convenience store or quick serve uh, areas, you know, by the deli out in the gas station areas and some of that. So it's definitely a work in progress, but we're gaining. So where does TJC move five years from now? Uh, we're definitely a national company. Currently we're in the Midwest and then the, the South. I, you know, my goal five years from now is that we're nationwide on uh, every major retailer's shelf. Five years from now, I hope we are in an aseptic package. I'm working really hard on making that reality uh, through our our plant design and, and building that out. I think we'll probably have another product out there. I'm not ready to say what that is yet, but it's also in the works. You know, we're in that formulation stage on it now. Um, we'll have a few more flavors out there this later this year. We'll have chocolate launched. Um, we are going to put a little bit of sugar in chocolate. I just couldn't get it right without adding a little bit of sugar. So we're, we're going to use some cane sugar in there, um, but it'll still be significantly less than anything you see on the shelf today. And then, you know, from there, I, who knows where it goes? I, I would think that we would either expand plant that we're, we're building or add another plant near one of our other locations, whether we're milking any more cows or not. It's not necessarily in my game plan right now to grow this other side of the business and if we get to the point where we need more milk i think there's a lot of good farmers out there that are probably ready to get paid what they deserve uh, for that milk that they're producing and the care that they're taking for their cows um, rather than just getting told what they have to do and what they're going to get paid and whether they're going to have a place to ship their milk or not. so i think there's a lot of different opportunities but five years from now we're definitely going to have a plant up and running we're going to be putting move in stores across the country and we'll be uh, packaging it aseptically as well. Taking a product from the dairy all the way to the dairy case is no easy task, but TJ has a motivation that keeps him moving forward. Hopefully our kids want to come back and, and do this. You know, I, I've had people ask, like, isn't it enough? And I'm like, looking at Zane, my son growing up and he's on the autism spectrum and so he's got some things that are, are, you know, super strengths. He's amazing at math and, and some of that. And then he's got some weaknesses, some just, you know, interaction with people and, and, and things. But I want to make sure that no matter what he wants to be, he can do it within our company somehow. If it's a lawyer, if it's an accountant, if it's a doctor, if it's a vet, you know, if he just wants to be a herdsman, whatever that is, like create the opportunity, right? So it, whatever he wants to be. And if he's not interested in, in our company and working alongside me, then, you know, I'm okay with that too. But I just want to make sure the opportunity is there. And all of this plays into TJ's bigger vision with dairy and move. 
to create lifelong consumers of milk. And so what can the rest of us do to champion this movement? It comes to the basics of being our own advocates, regardless of where we are at in this industry. I think the biggest thing is just continue to educate people. Like, don't be afraid to talk to somebody, right? And I'll sit on a plane next to somebody and they ask what I do. Don't be afraid to tell them, right? Tell them the truth. Tell them the story. Be proud of it, right? Be proud of being a dairy farmer or a nutritionist or, you know, whatever position you're in and ag. Be proud of it. Educate the consumer. Don't be afraid to talk to that person next to you, right? Like everybody's buried in their cell phones these days, right? Tunnel vision on what they find on social media. I, I think what you're doing is awesome with the podcast, social media, some of the stuff like educate people. Because I think the more people understand how much we really care, the more they're going to go out and reach for my product and others. And I think, I think that's the biggest thing we can do. And so where can you find Move? Check out the Dairy Case at High V stores in the Midwest and find links in the show notes to follow Move on Facebook and Instagram. PJ shared with us the story of Move today and the innovation of this product and how it was him solving problems as a dairyman and as a dad that led to finding his own solution. And in much the same way, our sponsor for this episode, Heritage Vet Partners, is doing the same thing. And you're going to want to stick around to hear more about it. Heritage Vet Partners is the nation's leading veterinary partnership that is truly revolutionizing the way veterinarians serve the most progressive and forward-thinking dairy farm clients across the country. Through a new model of providing exceptional service, consultation, products, technologies, and supplies. And here to join us today and telling us more about Heritage Vet Partners and how they are doing it, is CEO, Dr. David Nat. Welcome to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. Thank you, Peggy. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, certainly a fan of your podcast and, and really looking forward to this episode. Dr. Nat, I'm really excited to bring to our listeners a better understanding of who Heritage Vet Partners is and what you are doing because it's really unique and different. And our listeners are going to want to tune in and hear from you exactly how Heritage Vet Partners is really serving dairy, dairy clients in a meaningful way and meeting them where they're at. And so, Dr. Nad, please go ahead and tell us a little bit more about the model that is Heritage Vet Partners. Heritage Vet Partners is exactly what the name suggests. It's, it's veterinarians that have come together in, in a community as partners within one business. So we're, we're, we're super aligned. And, and, and the group is, is today is really the, the Midwest, East Coast, into the Great Plains and continuing to grow really every month. And it's veterinarians coming together with a, a common vision, and that is to is to figure out how we best serve our customers today, and maybe more importantly, how do we best serve them into the future? Now, when you talk about how to best serve customers and your quest, specifically when it comes to our dairy producers out there, what were the challenges that you identified as a practicing veterinarian that were facing dairy producers and that really led you to see a different way to serve that audience? Yeah, well, you're your audience would know the best that that list of challenges is long. For us, the ones that we, that we saw that we felt like we could help with and, and provide value, one of them was the, the regulatory issues and, and regulation and challenges that we see. And especially as we saw our customers growing in geography or animals moving instances as we, as we commonly see in the dairy industry, how do we, how do we help them with that? How do we make sure that we're where they need to be, not just providing advice from afar, but actually being geographically where their animals are and where they need to be. So that 
that's certainly an important strategic plan for us is where are the animals, where are our customers, and that's where we need to grow and where we need to be. Another area that we saw a lot of, of challenges is with the technologies and, and maybe even research. And, and our customers are being inundated by all the new stuff coming and, and trying to be sold on what might be the best thing for their operation. We really want to be the trusted advisor for them and help wade through that. We spend a lot of time paying attention to the research, to the new technologies that are coming out, how they affect production, how they perfect, perform, affect performance and profitability. And to be that trusted advisor, help them kind of wade through all that and see what might be best for their operation. Dr. Nad, you really speak to our listeners here. And this challenge of having veterinary services and care where the cattle are. And I mean, just look at the dynamics of our dairy industry, where now we have more dairies at our multiple site in different locations. We see young stock that is in different geographical pockets than it once was. And the interstate transfer of animals and just this relocation of animals from one place to another. And so these are some of the challenges you're speaking to. Yeah, 100%. And I kind of mentioned the regulatory stuff, and that's kind of, you know, belt and suspenders. But but aligning protocols, making sure they're happening on both ends of that movement to to ensure that, you know, the, the health, well-being, production, and performance of those animals that ultimately are important to the to pr- the production unit. I think that goes hand in hand with the other challenge that you brought up, and that is this challenge of producers trying to wade through decision making, especially when it comes to things like technology and data. And as you mentioned, you really look at your team to be those trusted advisors to do that work, the hard work of sifting through the research and the data and being able to provide real solutions that solve problems and be involved in every aspect of the operation and of the life cycle of the animal. And that's really where you guys see your fit. Everybody listening to this knows how busy our customers are, what it takes to run a large facility. And there's a lot coming at them, a lot on their plate. And and our goal in the animal health space is to to be that advisor to kind of help them take something off of their plate. Uh, they don't have to maybe worry about that quite as much, uh, more of overseeing it. So Heritage Vet Partners is really founded as an incredible solution for dairy producers, but it also offers a solution for veterinarians who are sincerely vested and interested in the way that they can sustainably serve dairy clients and be there with them for the long haul. And so how has this business model benefited the ability for veterinarians to be able to serve dairy producers at the level that they want to? You mentioned something in sustainability. And and today, many people have heard uh, the challenges with getting the number of veterinarians to the the rural areas and, and being able to serve the the food animal customer. We definitely are in tune to that. That's important. There's only one way we can provide these services to our customer, and that's to have veterinarians. It's critical to what we do. So when when you ask practices or veterinarians why they join Heritage Vet Partners, it, it varies a little bit. Everybody has a, maybe a little different reason that motivated them. But what we try to do with for all practices that, that join is to try to take things off of the table or their plate things like payroll and and health insurance premiums, things like that, that no veterinarian really likes to do, but has to in their small business. And if we can help support things like that and take that off, they can, they can have the choice of spending more time with their customer, or they can spend more time with their family. However, they want to spend their time and, and do those things that we think that's that's really important to help minimize the burnout and and wow. veterinarians leaving the the profession. 
So what I hear through this conversation, Dr. Nad, is a lot of problem solving and identifying areas within the industry on the producer side and the veterinarian side, but overall for the best possible care of the animal. And it really just seems like all of these three pieces line up for a much bigger picture. And so for you, when you look at the vision of how Heritage Vet Partners will move forward with this fast paced changing U.S. dairy industry, what do you see? I think we'll continue to grow and I, I, I know we'll continue to go geographically. So again, we're there where they need to be as, as, as the industry begins to change or continues to change and, and grow. Very important. And then as we bring in bright, inquisitive, motivated veterinarians into our group, we're going to naturally provide and identify better solutions for our customers. We don't have all the answers, but we believe that together. We're going to have the best chance of finding the answers in the future. We not only have this happening on the dairy side, but we have it happening in the swine industry and the beef industry. We have veterinarians that are focusing in those areas. And it's really neat to kind of big picture to see the other, whether it's a, a calf barn or a hog barn, there are things that are very similar. Air quality is important. Water quality is important. And you go down the list and being able to take best practices from across industries to be able to better serve our, our, our dairy customers is super exciting into the future. Well, what you've explained here, Dr. Nad, has really piqued my interest and also I think our listeners too in having a better understanding of who Heritage Vet Partners is. And so for our listeners out there that want to check it out and want to find some more information, where can they learn more about Heritage Vet Partners? You can certainly go to our website. It's heritagevetpartners.com. And that'll have the information you need to, to find a practice that's close to you, veterinarians that are close to you. And also to, to if, if veterinarians are out there that might be interested, that's the place to go as well. Great. And we will include all of those links in our show notes. Thank you so much, Dr. Nan, for joining us. And thank you, Heritage Vet Partners, for sponsoring this episode of the Up Level Dairy Podcast.